I wanted to start out this morning by showing you uh, what some might call a piece of art. Check it out. So uh, some of you might be looking at this saying, that's not art, that's just a scribble. And I'll be honest with you, this is my three-year-old, uh, a drawing he made a few days ago. It's just one of these things he's been doing. Whenever we've been preparing to go on walks, he draws what he calls a, uh, a, a map. And this is a particular map of the road to the bunny park. Makes sense, doesn't it? Here's the thing is this isn't really art, but it is an expression of something that's been on his heart and something that is on his mind. Now, in all honesty, I wouldn't call myself an artist, and, or, nor am I an artistic person. Some art I just don't get. A lot of art, I, I appreciate it, I value it, but it just doesn't connect with me. I'm more into the stuff by guys like Jackson Pollock, not because I, I, I get it, but because I look at it and I say, hey, I could do something like that. I like that kind of art. But the one thing that art seeks to do, whether it's a painting or a poem or a drawing, it seeks to do this. It seeks to create a relatable expression. That from the creator to those experiencing it, art tries to create something that people can relate to. They're saying that, oh, I get that. You're, you're speaking to my heart. I'm right there with you. I couldn't have put it any better myself. A relatable expression. So let me ask you for a moment. You ever, you ever wish that perhaps we would have a relatable expression of our faith that existed? Like, 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 like if someone could put into words what you've always wanted to say to God, but you didn't know if you could, you didn't know if you should, you didn't know if you were allowed to. You know, the, 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 those moments where life is going awesome and things are great, and then, then a day later, everything is just all jacked up, and you're kind of just, God, what's going on here? Do you see what's happening in my life? Perhaps you have had those moments where you've been angry at God, and you wanted to maybe yell some obscenities in his direction. You didn't know. Is that allowed? Is it cool? Is it kosher to do something like that? Because the person you love was just diagnosed and you want to get this expression off your chest. Or maybe it's something on the opposite side. You've been blessed with something of goodness and you want to shout praises to God because you've been thinking and praying and it's finally come to fruition. Well, if you've ever desired that relatable expression of your faith towards God, or maybe you've always wondered, does God even care? Does God even like what I have to say, what I think? Am I even allowed to go to God with everything on my heart, on my mind, on my soul? Well, welcome to the Psalms. It's the series we're going we're gonna to start today, and what, what I hope you will see and learn is that you can take whatever you want before God, He's a big guy. He, he can handle it. Whether you're happy, you're joyful, whether you're sad, you're remorseful, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're, you're, you're seeking justice, you're seeking direction. Psalms is going to teach us that the, everything in our faith has a way that it can be expressed to experience God. Philip Yancey, he's a theologian, a scholar. He puts it this way when talking about the Psalms. I love this idea. He says, the Psalms, it's kind of a way of talking oneself into faith when emotions are wavering, one need not to dress up or put on a face to meet God. 
There are no walled off areas for God can be trusted with reality. And so what we're going to do is we're going to embark on just a short four-week series uh, talking about the Psalms. Now, let me tell you, this is just going to be a taste. This is going to be a sampler, right? It's like those times when you go to Sam's Club and you're, and you're, you're walking by the frozen aisle and that retired lady hands you like one eight eighty second of a waffle. And of course, you're going to take it because it's a free snack. Who doesn't want a free snack? And so you pop it into your mouth and no, 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 no. And you start chewing. You're like, man, these, hey, honey, we got to get some of these waffles. These are amazing, Right? That's what this series is probably going to be for a lot of us. It's just going to give us a taste. It's going to give us a sample because four weeks doesn't do the book of Psalms justice. It doesn't doesn't meet the merit. It's going to be a taste because the book of Psalms, it's big. It's the biggest book in the entire Bible. It's 150 chapters. It's smack dab in the middle. It's easy to find. But in fact, it's so big that they actually break Psalms into five different books, as they call it, in and of itself. But here's the one thing I want you to get, that I want you to learn, lean into, hear this as you begin to maybe read or reread or engage with the Psalms for the first time, this is kind of what all of the Psalms seek to do for us and with us and through us in the Word of God. And it's this, is that Psalms, they're the expression of the heart of God's people to God. But they are also the expression of God's heart to God's people. It's that relatable expression, those those expressions of happiness, of of sadness, anger, remorse, the desire for peace, the desire for justice, the desire for for, for hope when we're searching and wandering through life. And anytime we meet a song and we hear someone's prayer, we hear someone's song of praise, we hear someone's lament, God is also in, in a way saying the same things to us, like this is my heart as well. My heart praises with you. My heart breaks with you. This is okay. Come to me. Express your desires for me to walk in your life. Because what Psalms teaches us is that God didn't didn't give us new life to have a transactional faith. For God to say, here you go. Here's your faith. I'll see you later someday in heaven and eternity. You know, we'll catch up later. No, no, no. That God wants to transform every avenue, every aspect of our life. And so as we dive into the Psalms, for the next three weeks after this week, we're going to look at one Psalm each week of one of the three different genres as we seek to kind of dive into these, this taste, this sample of Psalms together. You see, there are three types of Psalms that we run into. Number one, we see the Psalms of lament. The Psalms uh, talking about that God, he is righteous, that he is just, that something is disoriented in life, that something is off. Something is broken. It could be something in your own life, in your own faith journey, or it could be something you're seeing or experiencing in the broader society and community that you live. Number two is that they're psalms of wisdom. They're psalms of saying that, God, you have redeemed me. You have given me a way of life. You have oriented me to follow after you, and I want to share this wisdom. I want to share these things that I have figured out with other people. And then there's the Psalms of praise, the Psalms of joy, the Psalms of talking about God being our refuge, this this new life, this new orientation that we have experienced because of the presence of God. Now, if you let it, the book of Psalms, 
They will meet you where you are in life and in faith. But they will also help take you to where God wants you to go. You see, the key is not to just read the psalm saying, I get that, I relate to that. It's, it's to convict you, to be open-handed, to be willing to listen, to learn, to express, to be convicted. That sometimes when we lament, perhaps we don't lament knowing that God will always be with us. Or there are the, the times in which we should be praising God joyfully for the gifts we've received. We've actually left him behind and patted ourselves on the back instead. See, while, while Psalms are a way for us to relate, hopefully they will convict us a little bit of how to welcome God more regularly into our life. Because here's the thing, is that without conviction, we will make choices to preserve our comforts. I think that's true of a lot of, a lot of areas in life, that we oftentimes make choices, don't we? to preserve what's going to make us feel the most comfortable. This is true of the toxicity of our society, who we'll listen to, who we will lean into, what we will talk about, what, what we will learn and glean from. But this is especially true of our relationship with God. That too often we, we, we don't let ourselves be convicted because we want to make choices that will protect our comfort above all else rather than, than stretch us and challenge us in our relationship with God. And so here's what this image, this illustration that I want to kind of start out today with as we get to the Psalms. You see, Psalms is going to kind of challenge you to think of your life like this blank canvas. You've been given this gift. You've been given this opportunity. And what Psalms is going to do is going to say, what are you going to throw here? What are you going to paint? What's the, the expression towards God? What is the ideal blessing? What are you chasing after? If you could put anything on here, anything that makes you happy, anything that makes you sad, if you could put anything on this canvas of your life, what's going to go here? What would you be pursuing above all things? And Psalms is going to kind of try to mold us and shape us and, and convict us, but also encourage us at the same time to say, consider your canvas. Consider what you have painted as the ideal for your life above all else. Because at the end of the day, we're all kind of searching for the same thing. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, whether you're wrestling, whether or not that God is real, we're all searching for meaning for answers, for fulfillment. That's not a religious thing. That's just a human thing that we all go with. And that's where the Psalms meet us to say, what's on that canvas of yours? How are you expressing that life and experiencing God? And so if you have your Bible, I'll invite you to turn with me to Psalm 1, the very, very first Psalm that we get. Psalm's pretty easy to find. It kind of, just take your Bible, open it into the middle, and we'll find it in Tagalong there as well. Psalm 1 is kind of a, a prelude. It's a precursor to the other 149 psalms. What Psalm 1 does is it sets up the paradigm of the life and the reality that we all live in. That there is a way of life. There is one way of life that is blessed, and there is one way of life that isn't. Let's dive in. Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1 this morning. Blessed is the one. And we're going to actually just kind of pause there for a moment. You, you see this word blessed, and, and whether you're a Christian or not, you're kind of interested, aren't you? Well, I want to know how to be blessed. 
I want to know what a blessed life looks like. I want to be the one. I want to be part of the one. I want to be someone who lives a happy, a blessed life. Because that's what this word blessed means. From the Hebrew and through the Greek, it's, it's literally a happiness, a bliss. But the thing is, it's the opposite of a cursed life. But when they use this word blessed, they're talking about, in a sense, of a blessing that is void of feeling but that's always in the form of a gift. You see, for us, don't we like to consider blessing or happiness or blessed, uh, bliss usually attached to our feelings? I feel happy. I feel blissful in this moment, in this season. And what Psalms is going to do, it's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge that canvas. It's going to challenge the, the, that picture of happiness in your life. Because that you can consider yourself blessed, even when you don't feel it. Think about it. Isn't chasing happiness one of the biggest determining and driving motivations of our lives? That we as humans, we're hedonists by nature. That every choice, every job, every relationship, every way that you spend your money, everything, everything that we go after in life, it's deeply connected to the canvas, to the perspective of what is going to make us happy. And what Psalms is going to do, it's going to show you how to live out of a perspective that a blessed life, that a happy life, that a a blissful life doesn't have to be attached to the things of this world, but rather directly attached to God himself. That happiness, that being one who is blessed, is neither a feeling, nor circumstances, nor stuff, but is a true blessing that comes from God alone. The Psalms are going to challenge you to ask the question, where do you paint your happiness? What are you putting on to this canvas that's going to challenge you to say, this is where I will find the happiness? This is how I will define the blessed life. So the psalmist continues. He continues picking back up in verse 1. He says this. He says, so blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Skip with me to verse 6, because it kind of wraps it up here. He says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So there you kind of have something that that sometimes we forget, that, that, that how you live matters how you stand, where you sit, the manner in which you walk through life. And what the psalmist is trying to say, you've got two options. He said, if you want a blessed life, it is not standing, sitting, walking in the way of the wicked, walking in the way of the scoffers or or, or the mockers or the sinners. He says, there's a wisdom that you're going to need to kind of push back society and culture away from just feeding yourself. It's, it's going against, as one theologian put it, it goes against the occupation of yourself. But blessed is the one who does meditate and delight in God and his word. It's the occupation with God. 
what the psalmist is challenging us here is that you can either occupy yourself with self, which will result in sin and wickedness, destruction, or you can occupy yourself with God and find blessing and happiness in the midst. See, see, this is the moment where, where, where I think some of us just kind of say, Eric, I don't like this. I, I, don't, I don't really like when we talk about the stuff that I shouldn't do, the things that God doesn't want me to do in life, this, this, the, 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 the knots, the things that I'm supposed to not do. I thought I was supposed to enjoy life. Can I have God but have my, my pleasures as well? I don't really like it when it's either a red light or a green light situation. I mean, we're postmodern. Can we figure out like a third way, a fourth way? Is there a twelfth way to kind of circumvent this situation? And the psalmist is saying, not really. In the kingdom of God, in the way of God, there's a way to follow God to be blessed and there's a way to follow God to not be blessed. And some of us, we, we, we wrestle with that, don't we? We, we get into this mindset of, of this Christian karma, like, like, well, what about my friend? My, my friend's a Christian, he goes to church, he's faithful, yet his business is failing. Yet we've got this other friend, and he's a jerk, and his business is booming. What the heck, God, what, what's going on here? Are you cool with that? Because we're really not. And when we do that, what we're basically saying is that blessing is attached to feeling happy, to, to, to having God's stuff and not actually God himself. Because we need to remember that God doesn't rescue us from the bondage of our sin, the brokenness of our life, so that we can just go our separate ways, live this life as we see fit, and catch up with him on the other side of eternity. Rather, he saves us. By the grace, the love, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus through faith alone to be with him here and now because we view living this life obedient to God as a blessing in and of itself. So the Psalms, it gives us those, those relatable expressions of the people who got it right and the people who got it wrong. The people who want to do over and the ones who want to pass on what they have learned, when the world did them wrong or they did wrong to the world. To learn how to express anger towards God without being flippant. How to express praise that qualifies the goodness that he's shown to each and every one of us. To express the yearnings that even when you don't know how to yearn, to, to call for God, there are words that do that on your behalf. See, what the psalmist is trying to say, as you try to navigate and find the blessed life, there is a way that you can relate and express that faith. The psalm teaches us to faithfully express our faith to do it in a way that honors God, that glorifies the church, that lifts up the name of Jesus, that binds everything together in love. That's why we have psalms of lament and wisdom and praise. See, I think sometimes we think that the, the, that the Christian life should just be purely a psalms of praise. That we just sit here and we fold our hands and we say, isn't God just so good and lovely? And he's, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, I just, I just so, life is just so perfect and neat and tidy and nothing ever goes wrong. And those are the type of people that I look at and say, boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. Because the reality of life is life isn't neat. It's messy. It gets jacked up from time to time. And Psalms meets us there saying, I know. 
I've been there too. Let me teach you. Let me show you. Let me guide you. Let me direct you of how to express that to God faithfully. But also, let me help you paint that canvas appropriately. Let me help you define what it means to live a blessed life that isn't attached to a feeling or to a comfort. Because a lot of us, don't we go through life trying to find blessing or happiness based on what makes us comfortable? Things that just feel comfortable. We've got that job. We've got that money, that retirement account. We've got that family. Gotten rid of that family. I've got those beliefs. I know how I'll vote. I'll kind of go with what makes me feel comfortable of who I will learn from or associate with. I'll even let God convict me of my sin from what I feel comfortable enough with. I've got my health. Uh, uh, I've got what I I believe that I'm going to tell myself to be true about God. I've got my intellect. I've got my toys. Uh, I've got the neighborhood. I've got the car. I've got the truck. Whatever it is, the boat, the vacation. A lot of us, we go through life navigating a blessed life based on what makes us comfortable. And the Psalms is kind of saying, bro, life ain't comfortable. Stuff happens. It's okay to enjoy it when you have it. But if it's not there, if it's gone in an instant, you can still find an eternal, lasting blessedness by experiencing God over and over and over. And that's what Psalms wants us to do, is to wrestle with those comforts by wrestling with God to see if those things will actually last. And so as you maybe prepare to dive into Psalms with us for the first time, or perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time and and you've spent some time in the Psalms, and and maybe over the next few weeks, we encourage you, read just a Psalm a day. Maybe you'll take an entire week to read Psalm 119 because it's like super long. Whatever it is, I want you to keep these three questions in mind. Write them in your Bible. Write them in a note. Write them on the first page of the Psalms. Ask yourself these three questions as you begin to lean into the Psalms now, this week, this month, but also in your journey with Jesus. Here's the first question. Psalms is going to prompt you to ask this. What do you delight in in this life? You know, this past weekend, I had the opportunity to uh, perform a wedding in Ohio for a couple that's been attending our church for about four years. And uh, there's this great moment in which we were preparing, and and they said this thing uh, that, that just spoke so deeply to me. They said something along these lines. They said, Eric, we don't need each other to feel whole because we have found our wholeness in Jesus alone. But we have chosen to be whole together. You see, what they essentially did is they answered that question, what do I delight in in this life? Are they going to delight in one another? Absolutely. Are they going to delight in the two families becoming one? You bet. But what they've said is that even if that perishes, even if that goes, even if something gets ripped from me, we will still be able to delight in this life. Because ultimately, we don't delight in one another. I do not delight in you as my husband. I do not delight in you as my wife. I delight in Jesus. And let us delight in Jesus together. So where are you looking 
in your life to delight, to find wholeness? What have you bought into? Do you delight in God? Or will you give it the chance to delight in God even when life doesn't seem to be as delightful as you would like it to be? The second question that Psalms is going to kind of prompt us with is this, is what do you meditate on, right? Blessed is the one who, who meditates with God, who delights in the word of the Lord. What do you meditate on? See, this word meditate is a word that comes actually uh, from a murmuring that fills the air, that fills the void. You know, my, uh, my wife likes to watch this particular show. I'm going to rename it and leave it nameless. That, that uh, compels 20-something contestants against one person to find their delight, the murmuring of where to find fulfillment in this life. And after about 20 years, it hasn't really worked out for, for much of any of them, but the world continues to peddle it. You need to look here. You need to meditate. You need to fill your heart and your mind. This is the void if you just find this thing. You will find that fulfillment that you're all looking for. Because this is the canvas of society. This is the, the canvas of culture. That, that, that this is what you have, have found to be of, of, of meaning. Will you look here or not? And so Psalms is going to really challenge you to say, what are you meditating on to fill the voids of your life? Is it the murmurs of the world? Or do you meditate on the truths and the promises of God? And lastly, the last question that Psalms is going to kind of ask us to wrestle with is pretty much this. Is that how do you define blessed? How do you define blessed? That canvas that you have in life, what have you painted? What have you put there? What have you drawn and said that this is what I'm chasing after. And Psalms is going to say there's a lot of things you can put there. There's a lot of things to chase after. But if it's not God, that blessing, that blessed life, that happiness, that bliss, might find it fleeting. What are you putting onto the canvas of defining the blessed life? If you could paint the ideal picture of your life, what would end up there? What's going up there? If you want to know what you are defining as the blessed of life, let me give you this closing thought. It's whatever can't be taken from you in order for you to still believe that you are blessed. Welcome to the book of Psalms, where hopefully we can all wrestle and have that relatable expressions together. Let's move to our time of response. You know, it's during this portion of our service that we take some time to respond in a few different ways. And one of those ways is through communion. And so if you have placed your faith in Jesus, we invite you to take part of communion with us this morning. You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. 
And so if you've gathered your elements, we encourage you to take your communion now. So take your bread and remember Jesus' body that was broken for you. And likewise, he took the cup and he said, you know, this is my blood that is poured out for you. And so if you have your juice, if you have your water, whatever that element is for you, we invite you to take that and remember the sacrifice of Jesus now. You know, the other way that we like to respond is through our tithes and our offerings. And really, we get a chance to respond out of worship through generosity. And so if you have come prepared to be able to give a gift of generosity to Jesus, we encourage you to use our Give app. It's G-Y-V-E. And through that app, you can give a gift of generosity through First Christian Church. And as we continue in worship this morning, let's respond by reading the words of the psalm that Eric taught on today. So I'm going to read the text in color, and you guys are going to, at your homes, read the text in white. Blessed is the one who does not not walk walk in step step with the the wicked, wicked. or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit sit in in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's continue in worship this morning.